epic week. And uh, besides yesterday, man, I'm telling you, the chapels at MCA just grow thicker and thicker with God's presence. Thursday, Chuck decided we needed to have chapel at the beginning of the week and the end of the week. So our last school day at school was on Thursday morning. We, uh, I'm telling you, I've never seen, I, I can really say this, we saw an outpouring with kids about 10 years ago, but I've never seen something like this, and it's a dynamic in worship. From the first time that Andy hit the note on the guitar, literally all but probably 15 or 20, and there's probably, what, 65 or 70 kids in the room, all but probably 15 or 20 ran. You got, we're in this Fieldstone Presbyterian, so it's all pews. You know, so there's not a lot of room to, like, dance. So they get out of their pews. They just run up here to the front on either side of the worship leaders. And for, like, 40 minutes... Just jump, shout, yell, pray, weep. I mean, I was like, this, you know, I don't know how to label like revival or whatever, but this is close to it. If it's not, if I can't label it revival, I believe that the Father has commissioned these angels of revival right now and they are stirring the waters. So let me just be, be encouraged. It ain't just for young people. We're all young at heart, right? Get in the water. Get in the river. Revival is being stirred right now. And it's, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. And um, So this morning, I wanted to give a shot at part three on my series on divine healing. You know, part one was on God, God's healing covenant all the way back from Abraham. If you think about it, it's always been an aspect of the covenant about physical healing. Even Abraham's wife Sarah had a physical issue that she couldn't get pregnant. So for the covenant to even get started with Abraham, father of many nations, she had to be healed, right? So then in Exodus 15, God renews the covenant, and it really goes all the way through the Scripture. Then in part two, last time, I was talking about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I really want to emphasize to you, to Jesus, the healing of the body and the healing of the soul or spiritual salvation were a package deal. This isn't like, okay... There's Jesus and salvation over here. It's the pinnacle. And then there's that nice Holy Spirit guy and like the cool little gifts that we like to pet and play with. And they're nice. And we're, we even like those things. But brother, don't get off on a tangent on like healing. And you know, don't, don't uh, you know, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point. It is all about Jesus. All of the above. It's all about Jesus. We have to be careful not to like take this mentality that's so prevalent even in our church. I've discovered <laughs> that this is some kind of like, okay, be, you know, absolutely. When we went out to do dream interpretation and healing and well, the prophetic speaking words, destiny words over people's lives, it was all about Jesus. Let me tell you about this wonderful Jesus. And um, the only reason I'm saying all this this morning is because I encountered Jesus at 19 years old in such a tremendous, powerful way. And I promised Him something. I'm going to let the world know. I'm going to let the world know about this. And uh, so this morning, I want to start off, this part three is called the power of the Word. Okay, the power of the Word. And uh, we're going to go back to a passage we read last time in just a few minutes. But for those of you who remember 14 months ago, those of you who are new, you've never seen this before. But I want to look at Tonda Brooks' testimony of healing from last March, I believe it was. Um, real quickly here, it's a few minutes long. And I'll, there's some keys here that I really think that we need to pay attention to. So 
December and January, uh, December of 2008 and January of 2009. I had been seeing an oncologist for anemia, and at that time I had been spiking temperatures of 103 to 105 with no other symptoms, so he sent me for a CAT scan of my body to see if he could find any type of tumors. Uh, I had the CAT scan done, and when I went back for the results, he told me that the CAT scan was hot, one of the hottest CAT scans that he had ever seen, from my throat to my groin, and that there were just clusters of tumors all over my body, especially in the lower abdomen, and that they were large and of all different sizes. He wanted me to go have a PET scan, which will highlight any malignant tumors. And so in February of 2009, I did go and have the PET scan done. When I went back for the results, the results were that I was, I was hot. It was, so, it was hot from my throat to my groins. And that there were so many tumors that none of them uh, could be diagnosed specifically without having to do a biopsy, that they wanted to do the biopsy to make sure that it was lymphoma due to the large clusters of tumors. He at that time also told me the tumors were the size of a golf ball and larger, and that they were deep within the abdominal organs. I also was notified then that he really suspected that I had ovarian cancer on top of it. I went in. I uh, came to River Life for a prayer service on February the 25th of 2009, and when I walked to the door, God told me, this is your night. And when I came in and was greeted by the greeter, she said, that were, oh, it was a great night to be my first night here, and that they were praying for tumors of cancer, and I knew then it, that really acknowledged it was my night. During the service, one man had a revelation that he could see a couple walking at the beach with their bare feet in the sand and sticking it in the water, and that they had wanted to retire there, but one problem, the lady had cancer. And I knew at that moment that he was talking exactly to me, because that's the plans that my husband and I have for retirement. After that, uh, was prayed for. They were praying for another individual who had cancer, but I kept thinking I cannot leave this church tonight without being prayed for. So I went up to the pastor and he prayed. Then he had the children to pray for me and then the adults prayed for me. I went ahead uh, with the uh, biopsy surgery that the uh, oncologist had recommended just to make sure to myself, I knew I was healed. I called my twin brother on the way home and told him, I said, God's healed me tonight, and we both rejoiced, but I told him, I said, I'm going ahead with the surgery. I've got to prove to myself and to the world, mostly, that I am healed. I went through with the surgery on March the 6th, and the, uh, the physician told me, uh, after he, um, I was out of anesthesia in, in recovery room, he came in and told the family that he thought he had the wrong, wrong patient. He could find no tumors, no malignancy, nothing there, that my abdomen looked great. And he later on, when I went for a follow-up visit with me, he told me that he had called my oncologist in the middle of surgery 
just to confirm that he had the correct patient because what he was seeing did not match the PET scan or the CT scan results that were hanging up for him to review. After he was assured it was the correct patient, he said he just saved me back up and just thank God for it. The pathologist had reviewed the tissue and he likewise could not believe that it was the correct patient because he had not found any malignancies or tumors in the tissue that was sent for pathology and frozen section. The final pathology report came back, no malignancy, no tumors. And I just praised God because I knew it and the surgeon said, when he looked into me, he said, I knew you were healed. He said, because there's no way that report changed without some divine intervention. So I'm thanking God today with this video and letting you know that God can heal you. Don't give up. I thought my life was ending because he had told me he had caught me early enough possibly to save my life. The possibly scared me to death and I couldn't even talk to anyone about it without crying, just thinking I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and then God told me, you don't have to die, and I didn't, and I'm just praising God for all that he's done for me, and just trusting God, he can heal you for any kind of type of condition that you have, he's there for you. Yeah. Amen. Do it again, Lord, right, Louise? Do it again. We're going to pray for you today. Um, so notice something. What happened with Tonda when she walked in here that one night, February the 25th? What did the Lord say? This is your night. What is that? It's a word. She got a word from the Lord. Okay, that's what I want to look at this morning here in these next few minutes. I want to use as a text Matthew 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll also be up on the screen. Remember last time in the Gospel of the Kingdom message, we looked at the parable of the sower in Luke 8. Somehow how Luke 8 has all the components of sozo and salvation. Well, there's a parallel text in Matthew 13. <clears throat> it's just a little different, but pretty much the same. But I, I chose this one because um, of some key differences. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, <clears throat> Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came. Let me highlight that. The birds came, devoured them. Some fell on stony places. Stony is a key word there where they didn't have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth. Everybody say depth. Depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away, and some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground. Everybody say good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said to them, To you it has been given. Punch your neighbor and say, To you it has been given. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? 
In the parallel passage, he goes on to say that there were many from the ancients, many of the people who had gone before, that desired, that earnestly lusted for, earnestly wanted to have these mysteries, but they hadn't, it wasn't revealed yet. And so he was, he was saying now to us, to you, it's been given to know these things that they've wanted to know for thousands of years. But to the rest, it's given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So here's the explanation in Matthew. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away uh, the Word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. If you were here last time, what's the Greek word there for saved? Sozo, which also means healed. So you could equally, if you weren't here, you could equally interpret this to say, and the, they took away the word so for a while, oh, it went away, so that those who um, believed it would be healed or would be delivered from torment. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now, the ones that fill among thorns are those who, when they've heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Everybody say patience. Ever think about how patient Abraham had to be? He had the Word and how many years passed before it actually came about. Maybe we get tripped up on that sometimes. Let me give you, I've been thinking about this Word thing and I've noticed, let me just read a few accompanying passages. Matthew 4.23 And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all the kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. And uh, which, by the way, remember back in Matthew 10, 7, I was telling you last time, he called his followers and said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, now freely give. So what literally is the actions of the kingdom, of the gospel of the kingdom? It's all those things. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleanse the lepers. So again, that's why those things are not separate things. A lot of times we've been taught that the preaching of the gospel is just the preaching of the salvation of the soul, which it is. But remember, it's a package deal. Notice he didn't footnote his comments to them, his instructions with, but be careful you don't get on a tangent. And don't just get about healing and the prophetic, and raising the dead, and getting all excited. Remember Jesus. I mean, that's kind of a given, right? Like, duh. Whose name are we doing all this in anyway? It's all about Jesus. Okay. So, here's a couple other things that I've seen here. In Luke 7, in the story, you remember the story where the centurion comes to Jesus? He's got a servant. He literally says, Jesus, my servant is dying. Okay, so he's desperately ill with whatever sickness. I'm going to pick up in 7-6. Then, and I'm sorry, Cindy, if I'm jumping around on you too much. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. 
Say the word and my servant will be sozo, will be healed. It's not sozo in this passage, but healed. It's a different Greek word there. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say, go, and he goes, and come, and he comes. Say the word, it'll be done. You remember when Jesus was being tempted for 40 days by the devil in the wilderness, Matthew 4, 4? What was his comment to Satan when he tempted him with the bread? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from where? The mouth of God. What do we need? We need the Word. We need the Word of God. John 1, 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the Word? Of course, the Word is a man. The Word, capital W, is a man. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a what? With a Word. And healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, this is by the way, a reinforcement of that covenant of healing, because he's quoting the Old Testament prophet here and saying, remember guys, this is to fulfill Isaiah 53, he himself took our infirmities, our literally sicknesses, and bore our diseases or our sicknesses. Now, Having established that, I, I had this experience. Let me just let me take a pause here. About four years ago, I had this really difficult decision to make with one. It had to do with one of my kids. Okay, and it was a, one of those things as a parent, you know, that I wanted to do something, but I had a sense that the Lord was asking me to do the opposite. Okay, <laughs> can you ever relate with that in any area of your life? And I'm praying about this. I'm talking with my friend about it, trying to get some godly wisdom, just kind of talking it through. And for whatever reason, I guess it's the. Um, I, I, a lot of times, I actually hear the Lord speak to me as I'm verbalizing things. It must be the, in touch with my feminine side or something like that. But <laughs> I talk, I talk through things, and the Lord. And, you know, have you ever had that experience? Okay, men, women, you're talking about something, you're pouring your heart out, even in the conversation, maybe not even in prayer, and then all of a sudden it clicks. Oh, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to Well, that's what happened. And the Lord said to me, He said, Matthew, do you trust me? And I was like, well, yeah, sure, Lord. Absolutely, I tr- you know I trust you. And He said, well, if you trust me, will you believe me when I tell you that this situation is going to be okay? It's going to work out in the end for the good. I was like, well, if you put it like that, Lord, of course. And it was like I made the decision that I didn't want to do. I made it with all faith and confidence. It was like, you know how Galatians 2.20 is supposed to be the faith? It's the faith of God. Like we really receive God's faith, not ours. The faith of God. It was like because I received the Word, He spoke the Word. It was like the faith of God dwelt in my heart. And it's the situation is kind of an ongoing situation throughout life. And every time the devil comes with this, you know, about, well, what about it? You know, and it looks like it's the wrong decision. I say, no, 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 no. God said the word. I know in the end it won't return void. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. And even my own. Mother, who I love dearly, she has concerns from time to time about 
this, something related to this situation and we'll kind of avoid. I was like, Mom, wait, time out. What did God say? I don't care what we see. What did God say? That's it. I refuse to believe, dwell, whatever on anything else. Again, go back to Abraham. Isn't that what he had to do for 80-some years? You will be a father of many nations. I don't have any kids. You will be a father of many... You know, the friends are like, <laughs> you're going to be a father. Okay. You know, you do, your, your wife's barren. She's been past the age to have kids now. Abe, give it up, dude. No, no, I can't give it up. God gave me the Word. Standing on the Word. Now, here's something that we really have to understand. The Word is a person. Capital W. The Bible contains the Word about the Word, but it is not literally the capital W Word because that's Jesus. It's the small W Word. Now, if Jesus' big W Word gives you a small W Word, it becomes that Word from God that you need to stand on. So then you can quote it, stand on it, get it, receive it, take it to the bank. But so many Christians are, well, I'm just standing on the Word, brother. Uh, Ephesians 22, 5 says, da, 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 standing on the Word. Well, that's good, and God bless you, and I don't see how that can do any harm. But I feel like, seek God for the Word, capital W. In other words, we're talking about relationship, not some formula. We can't go to the Bible and say, well, you know, the Bible says... Da, 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 da. Well, that's true. Okay, that's cat, little t truth. But what does capital T truth say? Now, He may give you the truth through this. Many times He does. But how else can the Word come from the capital W Word? Through the prophetic? Dreams and visions? I mean, you know, there's many, many ways that you can, like in that situation I was talking about, my testimony... I didn't get a word from the word, the capital W word, from here specifically. Not that I couldn't have, but that's just not the way it came. It was more like that working it through and the Lord spoke. You see what I'm saying? So, whatever situation you're facing, if you need healing, if you need breakthrough in finances, or whatever, go to the word for a word. And then you can take it to the bank. Amen. Do you understand? I don't want you to be misunderstood. I'm not trying to de-emphasize the importance of the Bible because it's very important. It's just not the Word itself. It contains a lot about Him and how to know Him. Remember Byron's quote from Richard Warmbrand last week? If you weren't here, Richard Warmbrand was this guy back in the, what was it, 70s and 80s? He was tortured in a communist Romanian camp. Um, just beyond anything that we could personally, obviously, imagine or believe and think of. Just terrible, terrible tortures. And um, he said this, God is the capital T truth. The Bible is the little t truth about the capital T truth. Theology is the little t truth about the tr little t truth about the capital T truth. A good sermon is the little t truth about the little t truth about the little t truth about the capital T truth. It is not the capital T truth. The capital T truth is God alone. Around this capital T truth, there is a scaffolding of words, of theologies, of exposition. None of these is of any help in times of suffering. It's only 
the capital T truth himself who was of help. And we have to penetrate through sermons, through theological books, through everything which is words, and be bound up with the reality of God himself. I have told in the West how Christians were tied to crosses for four days and four nights. The crosses were put on the floor and other prisoners were tortured and made to fulfill their bodily necessities upon the faces and the bodies of the crucified ones. I have since been asked, Brother Wormbrand, which Bible verse helped and strengthened you in those circumstances? My answer is, capital no Bible verse was of any help. It is sheer cant and religious hypocrisy to say this Bible verse strengthens me or that Bible verse helps me. Bible verses alone are not meant to help. <laughs> That's controversial. Like, I'm, I appreciate you guys not riding me out of town on a rail. It's not my quote. It's a guy who's been there and the worst of the worst. But he's basically saying exactly the point that I'm making here. Is as good and great as this. When you're being tortured, buried underground for months, put on a, you know, whatever, you need Jesus. You need, you need the man himself. If you're so buried in your theologies and your formulas and your principles that couldn't be good things, but do you take time just to look in his eyes? Just to captivate it by the blaze in his gaze? Byron spoke of this last week, that intimacy thing. This morning I woke up, at, got up finally got up at 5.30 to pray and stuff and you know, I'm so tired. You know, pray. <laughs> How do you pray at 5.30? So I just got a blanket and sat on the couch, put my iPod on, and I put on uh, that Brian Johnson's new CD, Love Came Down. And I'm just sitting there like in and out of consciousness. Sleep, that is. I'm not like in some spiritual vision. <laughs> but it was wonderful. It was like a very intense spiritual time. Because in a state of non-sleep, it was like, I, as I closed my eyes, I was just gazing into His eyes. And I just felt the presence of the Lord there in this soaking kind of thing. And I was like, I told Sarah later, I was like, we make prayer sometimes things, we over-spiritualize it. You know, I remember Gary Oates saying, man, if you fall asleep during prayer, that's wonderful. Don't feel condemned about that. God will take you into a dream. I mean, you can, you can still, it's the presence. It's Him that we're after. Not the discipline, you know, it's, it's not that. I mean, there's a place for discipline, but, you know, it's all about Him. Now, let me, let me bring this thing home. Is anybody getting anything here? Okay. You like my preaching? Thanks. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, you know, here's an interesting thing. Here's a side note. In the parallel passage in the parable of the sower, it says that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, isn't that interesting? In the other passage, it says when anybody hears the word, which is good, but it literally says in, in Matthew's gospel, when you hear the word of the kingdom. I'm like, think about that. What's the word of the kingdom? Well, that's my point in last message is the parable of the sower isn't just pl applied to why people get saved or don't get saved or don't stay saved, whatever, receiving it. It's also applied to why people get healed or don't get healed or don't stay healed. Why people get delivered, you know, uh, don't stay delivered, whatever. the case. You see what I'm saying? It's the whole package thing because he says it. It's the word of the kingdom. 
And then here's all the things that come. So, in conclusion this morning, really what the Lord was asking me, and I will ask you, and I really felt a heavy conviction from the Lord on this, just to be honest, is He said, Matthew, what's the condition of the soil of your heart? And I'm laying on my bed the other afternoon just thinking about meditating on that. I'm like, Lord, God, I know over my life You've come, You've sent a word so many times. and The condition of my heart was stony. The condition of my heart was thorny. It was dry. It wasn't fertile soil. And Lord, forgive me when I've disobeyed You. Forgive me when I've just rejected it altogether. Forgive me when You sent the Word and I didn't even hear it. Like those guys, He said, ever hearing, never, never hearing it really. I mean, have you ever been there? It's like I just felt convicted like, Lord, how much more could You have done in my life if I always had that fertile soil? Now, just as soon as I feel that, the love of God, the grace and mercy of the Lord sweeps over that. It says, it's okay. It's alright, but it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance. It's the goodness of a loving dad that picks his son up and he skins his knee, as I see that happen often. It's the goodness of our Lord. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what is the condition of the soil of your heart? Is it stony and hard or you receive the Word with joy? You get all excited on Sundays or when you're listening to your, the, the, the message on TV. But then a little bit of tribulation. You know, like Thursday of all days, I need the printer to work. I got stuff to do on Saturday. I got diplomas for CSM for this morning. And of all days, I mean, the printer is broke, broke. I mean, like, call the repairman, two days to order the part broke. You know, I'm like, God! <laughs> and then the Lord was like, just chill out, Matthew. You know, that's kind of a minor thing. But when a little bit of trial, when a little bit of fire, not good fire, but a little bit of heat comes and, you know, comes down on that sea, that word, do you just kind of forget about it or reject it? Or what about when he said the soil, there was no depth? There was no depth to the earth, so the seed couldn't gain a root. Well, as we know, rooted and grounded. You know, is your soil a little bit shallow right now? Do you need the Holy Spirit to increase that? Or what about thorny, which Jesus described as, get this, I think this is a huge one for all of us, the cares of this world, paying the bills, taking care of the kids, getting life done. The cares that nobody can escape that. But does it steal your focus? Does it cause the condition of your heart to easily not get the word somehow? Or the deceitfulness of riches? I got news for you. If you've ever been to a third world nation, we all rich. <laughs> you may be saying, No, I ain't no, I'm telling you, you rich. You're really rich. So this really describes all of this in a, in our room. This is Richness is relative. We're all rich. Has that deceit made us not hungry and desperate? Do we sit here and not give God all that we could because we're full? Get hungry today. Let God just stir that thing. If you're feeling the conviction, don't take it as a hard word. Take it as like the pleasure of the Father saying, come on, it's okay, but let me just touch you this morning. The pleasures of life. 
I've heard people say, you know, my vision is just to, just to kind of hang out, raise my kids, enjoy life. Well, that's great. But is that what this life is all about? You know, me and Andy have been talking about that thing that Paul possessed, which was not loving his life even unto death. Can you imagine how powerful that revelation is? I mean, that's difficult for our Western minds to grasp because we're rich and we're comfortable. But what if a generation raised up that really grabbed hold of that thing that we're like, you know, you've heard the stories of the age of the missionaries in the early 1900s. These guys, man, even with families or whatever, they just went with no plans of coming back. They went to tribes that they knew were cannibalistic. I mean, they just loved their life even not unto death. Just whatever, this life is not about this anyway. Why am I here? I'm here to pour out my whole life. I'm not going to hole up in the four walls of this nice castle-like church scared of the big bad devil that's going to get me out there. He's just a peon anyway. He's got a little bit of power, but only that which the Father permits him to have. I cannot waste my life like that. I, there may be a cost. I'm not saying that. There will be a cost. But I'm going to get out there on Main Street and tell people about this Jesus. I'm going to go to the Walmart. We're going to Walmart next with this banner that reads, check this out, Breakthrough in Back Pain, Free Demo Here. Right, now to the, right, right next to the free windshield repair guy on the way into We're going to just set it up, play some drums, draw a crowd. And just, it's the gospel. Like, go for it. Whatever your vision is, like, lay it all on the line. Don't waste another minute. Because you just want to enjoy whatever, retirement, or, you know, whatever stage of life. Like, pour it out however the Word comes to do it. Let's do it, right? Let's not, we're, not, we're not playing games. Maybe you've got good ground. I hope you do. And God wants to bring that this morning. So I want to just pray. And uh, in conclusion here, I want to read one last Scripture. In fact, can we all just remember how we stood and recited Psalm 103? Can we stand together and recite Isaiah 53, 4 and 5? Now, I want, you, I want to point out something so you don't think I took liberties. The end of the first two lines have different words than what you may remember, but I, you look them up in the original language. This is really a better translation the way that it's written here. You check me on that. Don't just take my word for it. You ready? Let's read this together. Surely He has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. Let's pray. Marlon, can you come join me up here? Father, we pray right now that whatever the conditions are of our heart, whether they're stony, thorny, low depth, God, we pray, God, that You would forgive us. We ask You to forgive us, Daddy, for, for, for rejecting You even just through our apathy. God, we, we ask You to forgive us when You sent a word and we missed it for whatever reason. Maybe the cares of this life. God, forgive us for the times when You came and You gave us a word and we just disobeyed. 
because it didn't seem right and we talked ourselves out of it. God, forgive us because we want to not just be hearers of the Word. We want to be doers of Your Word. God, and I pray that You would come now, Holy Spirit, upon this group of people here this morning. And I pray that You would pour out a fresh fire from heaven. Let the river of Your fire, the river of fire that comes from Your throne, God, let it just sweep through the receptive soil of our hearts this morning. We ask You, Holy Spirit, just to do this now. So I'm going to ask Marlon, if you want to receive, and, well, Andy's playing the guitar, but I'll help you. If you want to receive that river of fire, now I'm warning you, it's not for the faint of heart, just take the warning. If you want the river of fire, I'm really kidding. I mean, this is it's good. I want you to just come up here and line the front, and uh, Marlon, will you just go and pray? I know you'll have to go fat, kind of fast, but that's okay. We're going to believe for an impartation. This is, you. in a couple of weeks, you're going to see the video of this river in action. Okay? I'm Just take my word for it. It's powerful. It's effective. Frankly, we need more of it. And God is going to pour it out on this church in a great measure.